Hello, and welcome to Church in Maine. This is the podcast at the intersection of faith and modern life. My name is Dennis Sanders, and I am your host, and this is episode 141. It is a solo episode. I am. Uh, I wanted to really share this video that I did for my weekly um, at the intersection videos, trying to get out of the habit of not just immediately sharing these every time um, I do one and putting it on the podcast, but... This is kind of a kind of with the recent um, issues concerning gun violence. I wanted to share this one. Um, I really won't go into much introduction. It will the story will speak for itself. But I do have some additional things to say at the end. So, without further ado, let's go and listen to the episode. Sanders, pastor of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Roseville, Minnesota. Welcome to At the Intersection. So this week, people are talking really about um, the shocking um, shooting of Ralph Yarl. He was a young African-American teen in Kansas City uh, who was shot by an elderly man. Ralph had basically went on an errand. He was going to pick up his siblings who were at another house. And it was just a case of him going to the wrong house. And um, an 84-year-old man shot uh, Ralph twice. Once, I believe, was in the face. Now, there is some good news here um, that Ralph is expected to recover. Um, The other side of that is that this elderly gentleman could face life in prison for his assault. And I should add, this is not really the only kind of shocking event that has happened in the last few days. There was another case of a young woman, a 20-year-old woman, um, in uh, New York State that was simply driving and turning around in a driveway and was shot by a 65-year-old man. Now, on social media, when it, especially talking about um, Ralph Yarl, there has been, people have expressed outrage, which is not unusual for social media. And they talked about race, talked about the role of guns and conservative media. And in some level, I understand the rage. But I think sometimes, especially these days, a lot of the... the outrage on social media doesn't really shed the light on problems, much less try to solve them. And I think that that is something that we desperately need. And the other thing was, is as I was learning about this event, really what came to mind to me was the lack of trust in our society. I want to share a short story. When I was about the age of Ralph, I was in northern Michigan, where and I grew up, as many as you know, in Michigan. And um, I was at a state park 
training with some other people on my cross-country team. And a bunch of the guys, it might include myself, we walked from our campsite maybe about a mile, two miles away to the lodge and hung out there for a few, a couple of hours or so. And I remember I stepped away for a moment um, to use the bathroom, came back, everyone else was gone. Um, the guys had basically, I guess, got to know some local girls and they were taking them down to the lake. And so I was on my own. Well, I didn't want to follow them down some unknown path to get in the dark um, to get to a lake. So I decided I was going to make my way back from the lodge to the campsite. Now, of course, now it was late at night and it was pitch black. Couldn't really see much in front of your face. And so I had to run down this road by myself. I was scared to death. Along the way, I stopped at this house. There was this house along the way. And so I knocked on the door, and, I, and this woman comes up to the door. And I can't remember, I think I may have even asked if I could get a ride to the campsite, just because I really didn't want to continue down the road alone. And you could tell that she was hesitant, kind of scared maybe. Of course, the ride didn't happen. I just kept running down the road. And luckily, I got to the campsite. And I was fine. But I have to wonder about what that woman was thinking. What was it for her to see this young black man, black kid on her doorstep? Did she trust me? Did she see me as a threat? Luckily, nothing like what happened to Ralph happened to me. But I do wonder about that. On the other hand, I also think about another story. I think about my late father. And about 10 years ago, we were moving him and my mom from the home where I grew up uh, in Flint, Michigan, uh, to a kind of a apartment complex, a senior citizen living apartment complex on the other side of town. Where they lived was just no longer safe. Um, it was kind of dangerous. And as we were moving, Dad gave me this pistol. And I had realized it was something that maybe I, I, he had had for years, but had kind of kept it packed away. And I wondered, it was interesting that he, after so many years, all of a sudden it just appears and dug it up. And sometimes I wonder, did Dad dig up this gun that had been put away for decades? Maybe as a sense of self-protection. The neighborhood, as I said, that I grew up in, which was fairly safe in the 70s and 80s, had become incredibly unsafe. And here was a man now in his early 80s. He was in poor health. And I wonder if he may have had this gun out now to protect himself and his wife in an environment where you just couldn't trust people anymore. The thing about growing old is that it can be a scary prospect. A world that might have seemed benign when you were younger all of a sudden is full of threats, both real and imagined. And I think about this man in Kansas City who is in his mid-80s 
Maybe he's living alone and maybe he's scared. And I think the fact is that there are many people in our society, many elderly people, especially in our society, that live in a world where it just seems like everything is dangerous. And they feel that they have to use locks and bars and even guns to protect themselves from a world that seems incredibly dangerous. You know, we don't know the whole story about what happened. But as I said, I wonder if this man felt unsafe in his Kansas City neighborhood. So much so that he didn't trust the outside world. And I wonder if he was grabbing on for something to find a sense of protection. We live in a society, really, where we don't really trust anyone or anything. Trust in institutions are at an all-time low. And we really don't, in so many ways, trust each other. We look at other people as a threat. And sometimes race has something to do with that. But sometimes it's other factors. But whatever it is, we don't trust each other. And that's not good. Now, in, when I think about this older man, I'm not saying that race isn't a factor, because I think that race probably is. I don't say, I'm surely not saying that he shouldn't face penalties. But I can't help but think about this person and wonder. And I also can't dismiss the situation that Ralph was in. I know how, as a per personally, what it was like to be Ralph's age and what it was like to be his age and viewed sometimes in a dangerous way. But my experience with my dad makes me also more aware of what it means to be elderly in our society and to see a world that's filled with danger. And then I think about where does the church fit in all of this and what can we do as a people who follow Jesus Christ? What does the church have to say to a society where we don't trust each other anymore and we especially don't trust the church? As Christians, we gather at God's table, the communion table. When we, that is where we come to that, we remember God's saving acts through Jesus Christ. Now, we believe that everyone is welcome at the table. At least we say that. For, and, and that means that if everyone is welcome, it means everyone from young Ralph Yarl, a young African-American who was innocent and just trying to do a chore that his mom had asked to a man who shot him in fear. If we believe in a God of grace, how do we live that sense of welcome out? Not just at the table, but beyond the table. How do we be sensitive to both the young man who might be viewed as a threat and to the older man that is maybe scared 
and doesn't always perceive what is safe and what isn't. How do we extend grace in a day and age where grace feels so distant and impossible? I don't have all the answers here, and if you're expecting that this video is me going to rail against all the wrong in our society, I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I want to bring up those questions. I want to bring up those experiences that I've had. And I believe that we need to trust God to give us those answers, because we do need answers. We need to have a heart that is ready to discern what God would have us to do and how God can use us to help bind up again, to stitch together again the frayed bonds in our society. I pray today for Ralph Yarrow's continued recovery. I pray for him because I know that the days, weeks, the months will not be easy for him as he recovers and as he has to kind of live his life in public. But I also pray for this elderly man. I don't know who he is. Maybe he is a person that is scared. Maybe he is a person that has a problem with race. I don't know. But I pray for him as well. And I pray for the church, both this local congregation, but the church in general, that God will help us to discern what we can do and what God would have us do in this world that is so dominated by fear and distrust. Take care. Godspeed. And I'll see you soon. So that was uh, the video that I did last week. Unfortunately, I think it is still a current topic. And um, so I said I wanted to talk a little bit more. There are actually some things I wanted to uh, uh, continue talking about. Um, as I said in the video, this a lot of this actually, um, I can kind of relate to it from my own life as a a young uh, black teen growing up in Michigan in the 1980s. So, and had, um, so there are some similarities here, but I want to kind of talk about some of the, um, I think the, it, it's very easy to look at this and I look at some of the other similar cases where people 
basically strangers are just shooting um, without really asking questions and and immediately thinking that it is this is simply a gun violence problem that if we didn't have so many guns this wouldn't be a problem and probably what i'm going to say now is is going to be rather controversial and i'm not saying here that we should not have any gun restrictions and that you know guns aren't a problem because i think they are but I, I I really do believe that this is a deeper problem than just that we'll have a, a law and as if somehow getting rid of the guns will solve everything. I think they'll solve some things. And I am, I will say, in favor of things like red flag laws. Um, I do think that there should be an age limit. Um, I don't think that something like a quote-unquote assault weapons ban is going to really make the difference. Um, And I also sometimes think that we don't totally understand, especially many of us who don't have guns really understand the whole thing about guns. So, But that said, I do want to see some restrictions, but I don't think that that's the total problem. And I think, you know, what happened in Kansas City, I think what would happen in upstate New York and in Texas and other places really is a loss of trust in our society. And I think it's a loss of, of our civic society, um, our civil society. And, and I think that the result is things like this. Um, it's interesting. There is, um, I put in the show notes, an article that I think I both like, but I also, um, have a problem with, um, it's by Brianne Wolf. She is the uh, assistant professor, of political theory at James Madison College at Michigan State University. And she's writing this really from um, from experience. Um, she is talking about, of course, if, for those of you who don't know, uh, there was a, a shooting um, earlier this year at Michigan State University, uh, which happens to be my alma mater, um, where five students were killed. And... Um, that is still affecting that campus, um, even all these months later. Uh, she writes in the article that buildings now close at 6 p.m. Um, when I was going there in the late 80s, early 90s, that wasn't the case. Buildings were open later. Um, but it's a very different society than we um, that, that I lived in in the 1980s. But she begins her thing kind of talking about really kind of the civic society that America has been well known for. And she starts with um, Alexis de Tocqueville um, from um, Democracy in America. And he, she brings up a quote that I found interesting because she was always, he was fascinated by the fact that there were so many kind of civic, civil associations that would pop up in America in a way that, um, and people would kind of come together in a way that I guess was very different from what he grew up with or, or was familiar with um, back on the continent. And so he, um, she shares this example from de Tocqueville's Democracy in America. And this is what he writes. An obstruction occurs on the public road 
The way is interrupted. Traffic stops. The neighbors soon get together as a deliberative body. Out of this improvised assembly will come an executive power that will remedy the difficulty. And I think it was an example that there were people, there were associations, there were institutions um, that weren't necessarily the government that would come together to solve a problem. And I don't bring this up to say that government's bad, so don't go there. But that, that there was a sense of a civic society, even with all of our problems, and Lord knows we have problems, especially on race, there was a sense of a civic society that we don't have anymore. And um, there are problems that are going on. And I tend to think that a lot of what we are seeing with what happened with Ralph Yarl, um, what happened in uh, of all these other shoot, um, shootings, is because we don't trust one another. And in fact, this is something I didn't realize. This is that one of, um, there are some people that after Yarl was shot wanted to help, but they didn't. And they didn't actually on the advice of a, a dispatcher, um, fearful of active shooter. Um, there has just been um, kind of this problem. Where I disagree with Wolf is that she kind of gets to that point and then she pulls back. She basically says that the problem's gun violence. And again, I don't want to say that that's not a problem. And I don't want to say that we should not worry about that. But I sometimes think that that is the result of something. It's not necessarily the cause. And I think what's happening is that we, we have a society where we don't trust one another. There are very little institutions. The only reason sometimes when we come together are for political reasons. And and, and in some ways, those bonds are are very shallow they're not very deep and i think that there's a that's why we have a host of problems why we have these depths of despair where people are dying at a younger age and i think it's why you know i think it's actually why we see the rise of people like donald trump is that we have a lot of institutions that were around and civic organizations and people and friends and neighbors, and they're just not there anymore. And so what happens is you find other things. You find a strong man, you find a gun, you find whatever it is that can make you feel comfortable, make you feel safe. And so this also relates to another thing um, of why I sometimes get frustrated, especially in mainline Protestantism, when we don't seem to seem to be as concerned about the loss of churches, um, because those are such vital links in our society. Um, you know, they obviously there is a spiritual role to that, and, but there is also a physical role. And and a a kind of role that helps the human soul, and when there are less and less churches out there, I think that that makes us a less vibrant society and a less and a more fearful society. So that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I again, I will put this article from Brianne Wolf um, in the show notes. I think it's an important article. You should read it. Um, but I'd also really, really like to hear your opinions on this. 
you might disagree with me on the whole thing about guns and think that I'm crazy. Um, and you are free to believe that. But I'd love to hear what you're thinking about this, because we do have a problem. Um, and we have to figure out how to solve it. Because I think if we don't, we're going to see further problems down the road um, as as a nation. And I think it will take us to a place that isn't good. And I am very fearful of where we are headed sometimes as a nation. I, I really pray and pray that God can be with us. But I also know that horrible things do happen. And so... I just hope that we as a nation can pray and can figure this out because, as I said, I don't think that we're heading down a good path. And um, that's kind of where this video came from, and um, that we don't immediately look for easy answers or to demonize people, but that we really look to find ways of trying to really re-knit our society together, which might in the end bring down things like gun violence. So uh, that's it for this episode of uh, Church in Maine. It's episode 141. Uh, would love it. You subscribe. You can come to our substack at churchinmaine, all one word, dot substack, uh, dot com, or you can go to our other website, churchinmaineallonword.org. And if you want, uh, please consider leaving a donation. Uh, with that, uh, take care, everyone. And you've been listening to Church in Maine. The podcast is at the intersection of faith and modern life. I'm Dennis Sanders, your host. Take care. Godspeed. And I will see you again very soon. <laughs>